talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. It's Good Except It Sucks, a movie-by-movie and television series-by-television series hurtled through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time, we're taking a look at The Punisher, first seen in November 2017, though we'll be coming back to that date in a minute, when, if you wanted to look clever in front of your friends, you could have watched Big Hero 6 the series, Stretch Armstrong and the Flex Fighters, or Checked In instead. I'm Tim Worthington, and we'll be finding out what I made of The Punisher shortly. Meanwhile, joining us to give his thoughts on The Punisher is journalist and writer Mick Wright. Mick, where can people find you? I am at Broken Bottle Boy on Twitter, probably the best place to find me. And also on Substack, brokenbottleboy.substack.com, which is where I write Conquest of the Useless, which is a media criticism newsletter that comes out every day, pretty much. OK, so before we go any further, Mick, what happens in The Punisher? Frank Castle is an amazing former soldier. He was a Force Recon Marine returning from war. All his family are murdered and he changes from just being Frank Castle you know a pretty ordinary but effective soldier into being the punisher a vigilante whose basic aim is to destroy the criminal underworld by any means necessary to start off with he's hunting down the people who murdered his family but over time both in the comics and in the series it becomes a more broad philosophical desire to wreak revenge on criminals and to do that the punisher will pretty much do almost anything the punisher's morality is fundamentally about vengeance above all else and that means he will do some pretty grim things right well i'm interested to find out your answers to this because i suspect it'll be quite close to mine mick how much did you know about the punisher before you saw the show tons i've been reading the punisher <laughs> since i was about 11 my journey through comics was like i started with the beano and the dandy when i was quite young then there was an official licensed comic of thunderbirds which i have all the issues of and then i got got into 2000 AD and from 2000 AD I started to explore Marvel more so because I was spending time in comic shops and there was just something about the Punisher the Punisher's logo which is just this very stark white skull you know it's a pretty powerful logo unfortunately in the real world it's been being worn quite often now by fascist and neo-fascist cops which I don't enjoy but um I've been reading Punisher stories since I was 11 so you know that's a 25 year run with Frank Castle well my background to it was it was in the day when there was a Spider-Man UK comic that did kind of reworked reprints of the American ones 
sequence. Mm. And you would get all these characters like Daredevil coming in and out, you know, Shang-Chi and so on, all the street-level characters coming in and out of Spider-Man stories. There was one, and this made such an impression on me, it must have been about seven, I think, where Cloak and Dagger, who was already very intrigued by, turned up in it, and they cured some drug addicts of their addiction and then disappeared. And immediately... Mm. This guy dressed in black with a skull on his jersey, I suppose, jumped through the window and said, it's too late for all of you. Tell me the names of your dealers now. I remember thinking, wow, he's good. And then you turn the page over the next page. He's leaving the building. He's walking down the street. He hears like an argument in an apartment above where there's kind of like a stereotypical blue collar guy shouts like, shut up, dame at his wife and lashes out. And Frank Castle just picks up his rifle, aims at the window and fires. And then the next frame, it cuts to the man suddenly looking very small and clutching his hand. And his wife looking really concerned, saying, oh, my God, why would somebody shoot you? And in that second, the whole moral quandary that the comic asks you to consider was played Mm. out to a seven-year-old. I got it in that second. Yeah. You were never supposed to 100% understand where you stood on it. And I think that's what previous adaptations of it got wrong. Yeah, I think so. The previous films and stuff, there's a tendency in movies to, in bad movies, the Marvel movies themselves, the actual Marvel Universe movies have been good at not doing it, is that violence is not a good answer in the real world although it's sometimes an answer you have to do like so i come from my parents were both in the royal navy and my dad went to the falklands there's a lot of political stuff around the falklands but you look you go okay there were people there that where they lived was invaded and it made sense to use violence to uninvade that but with Frank Castle, he will just use violence all the time because he just sees it. It's, he is the ultimate, like, man with a hammer and everything is a nail. In the movies that came before this TV series, they did what films do, which is glorify the violence. And there wasn't much nuance because it was like, well, the Punisher is our hero. So the baddies have to be totally bad. And he has to be, you know, an unremitting force of vengeance, I guess, in a way to say Rambo. And Rambo has some, you know, deep political issues with it. It's very Reaganite and I guess there are times when Frank Castle can seem like a kind of Reaganite conceit. Yeah, and I think that's what the two more recent Punisher films, which we might mention later on, I think were absolutely dreadful for varying reasons. The Dolph Lundgren one in 1989, I remember being quite excited about. It could have been good, but it was too tied to that whole kind of post-Rambo commando thing. I think that's the only reason it got made. Pretty much, but that's why I was dreading when the Punisher suddenly turned up in Daredevil. I thought, oh god, they're going to mess it up again i couldn't see how they do it properly john berntal is fantastic that introduction to him in daredevil was the right way to do it where what doesn't get mentioned is we also got a big punisher villain in that season of daredevil who was used in that and dispensed with which is finn cooley it was played by tony curran it's interesting to know that they obviously couldn't afford i mean you'll know this a lot of people listening might not that finn cooley is a terrorist whose face got blown off while he was assembling a bomb and he wears a mm. mask holding his face back on now for the tv series they just had tony curran looking like tony Yeah. They obviously weren't going to splash out that on a supporting character in season two of Daredevil. But then they made, apparently, the first season pretty much in secret. We're going to drop it unannounced on Netflix. And then there was a shooting in October 2017 in America. So they decided to hold it back. And John Mm. Berntal was on record saying he supported that. Then in November, the date they actually set for it, it coincided with another shooting. And at that point, Berntal said publicly, we have to look at it in a different sense now. And it's time we join the debate. I thought it was an incredibly Mm. brave thing for him to say. I think he's a really interesting actor. And like, he's a smart guy. And this is the thing. To really play the Punisher well, I think you have to be smarter than the Punisher is. With a tendency in action films, 
films is to put people in these roles who aren't smart people. I think it's one of the things that makes John Wick a good film is that Keanu Reeves is he's actually quite a smart guy and, and he thinks about things quite carefully. So as an agent of vengeance in the same way that the Punisher is, he's thought about why does John Wick do the things he does? And John Bernthal does the same thing with the Punisher. He imbues the Punisher with a real sense of why he does things and what circuit in his brain broke to make it go beyond just vengeance about his family. Yeah, and that's why I think it's telling that. I mean, there's very little crossover in general with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's references to some things from the films in a vague sense. There's also there's a reference to Micro, who we mentioned in a minute, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at one mm. point. But quite a few of the characters from the other Netflix shows do show up in this. And the key one is Karen Page from Daredevil, who's the only character in Daredevil who seems to understand Frank Castle rather than the Punisher and has some degree of sympathy for him and attempts to rationalise what he's doing and she plays a reasonably prominent role in this. I mean, there's other people that turn up. There's Brett Mahoney, the detective, Turk Barrett, who turns up in all of them. He yeah. turns out just like he's a useless fence and he turns out to have one pink gun, doesn't he? In this yeah. With Karen Page, I think there's a good bit where Deborah Ann Wall, who plays Karen Page, I was a fan of hers from True Blood already. She was brilliant in True Blood. She said that Frank has a soft spot in Karen's heart and certainly with the dark history that Karen has there are very few people she can share her authentic self with Frank is someone who she could potentially fully open up to she doesn't have to be ashamed of her darkest deepest side of herself she gets to be more honest with him yeah because she's had a really screwed up life and so she sees in him right I understand why you are angry with the world and I guess you know there is a psychological element to, to it for me where a lot of my work is about expressing anger at the way the system is very broken and biased against people I mean, look today as we're recording this I spent all day doing things around the Russia report so for me a lot of people are kind of more centrist minded people might look at the Punisher and, and really see him as more of a villain than anything else but I look at him as a kind of agent of chaotic sometimes chaotic evil and sometimes chaotic good but what he does is not irrational to me although i would not do it myself yes there's total rationale there whether we like it or not he's as good a strategist as luke cage or star lord he thinks before he does anything he always has a mission in mind it's mm. i think again that's meant to disturb you about the character just how good he is at what he does it's not wild and scattershot like i mean a good analogy would be i've often wondered if because there was talk of having netflix characters in infinity war and or endgame mm. and when they find that hawkeye has gone rogue and is just massacring gangsters willy-nilly at the start of endgame and for some reason it's war machine says oh it doesn't fit the usual path of a vigilante oh it, it must be hawkeye i wonder if there's some draft sitting around somewhere where they were in touch with the punish for some reason he'd said yeah that's not me that must be your guy yeah i feel like that would have been a great little like easter egg thing if they could have done that also that's a dumb bit in that film because hawkeye is not although the killing is not in frame with what he would normally do it's still hawkeye's level of efficiency you know when he's being ronin and i know they don't like call him ronin in in the film but that's what you know that's yeah. a comic book storyline as he becomes the ronin he's still super efficient the first scene we see him being the vigilante in in tokyo he's very efficient and he doesn't have the brutality that the punisher has even at his apparently most brutal hawkeye has got lines he won't cross and frank doesn't really have that 
Yeah, I mean, we should really talk about the main focus of season one is basically him unravelling the whole what turns out to be a conspiracy behind the murder of his family. And he teams up with Micro, who it's interesting what they did here, because Micro in the comics is kind of more a kind of disgruntled, like, stationary supervisor. He's that kind of character. But in this, he's somebody who's as smart as Frank. Yeah, I mean, Micro is like Grumpy Q or something in the comics. He's like, (laughs) in the military, you have quartermasters, and he kind of is just like a quartermaster and just keeps giving Frank stuff to get the job done. And I think that would have been a really bad character and a really like a bad use of Ebon Moss Bacharach. He's a really good, really, really good actor. Again, someone, he was in Girls, played a very annoying character called Desi in Girls. Completely different to the micro character, but I mean, he's a really good actor and they needed to give him a character with a bit more going on. And I think also the fact that Frank and Micro don't necessarily get on the whole time makes it more interesting there's some friction there that it requires it does but also that was the one thing of that first season that didn't work for me which is in inverted commas the bottle episode where they basically hold up together in their hideouts where you've got this kind of sort of prolonged dramatic discussion between two men who hide a lot intentionally and are very very in frank's case sort of economical with words anyway it just felt over it felt like a scene stretched out to an episode i loved it i love bottle episodes like one of my possibly the best episode of breaking bad for me is the fly episode because the intensity of it is incredible and also look i spent a lot of time in newsrooms with old alcoholic taciturn men so i sort of kind of got the vibe of that was like oh this is familiar to me two men who don't understand their emotion sort of shouting at each other in a, in a small room it's like well that's my professional career you know single out who obviously appears in both seasons but it's Amber Rose Reaver who plays uh, Madani the Homeland Security agent who is tailing Frank Castle she is fantastic I've never seen her in anything before but she plays that role so brilliantly if you haven't seen her in House of Saddam which is a BBC HBO co-production I, that probably is some on YouTube she also played Mary Magdalene in that thing about the Bible she's pretty interesting one thing I like about it is she's not a comic character she's a created whole cloth for the series and that's interesting and also I like the fact 
fact that they gave her a special shotgun because she's small like they gave her a shotgun that they specially made for her which is kind of badass you know because it's good <laughs> to see this like she's a smaller woman but she's like really tough particularly in a series where quite often guns can end up being like an analog for penises like i've thought like a lot of the time the punisher is just getting his dick out and that's kind of a problem sometimes so to give her agency in the weaponry aspect of the series was quite a good thing the other main thing i really want to say about season one is it had one of those great moments they keep giving us in the marvel cinematic universe where one of the main antagonists of that first set of episodes is billy russo yeah at that point is just billy russo if you know the comics it's a bit like when bucky barnes fell from the train in the first avenger if you know the comics you'll be thinking wow we're going to see him become jigsaw eventually Mm. and so anyone else who doesn't know that it's a proper surprise when he comes back in the next season basically with his face stitched together yeah and as a result of frank smashing his head into a mirror yes in one of the grossest shots of the whole mcu yet and that includes some in daredevil yeah so i think daredevil introduced us to the idea that we're gonna give you r-rated violence and then punisher went oh yeah you thought that was tough right now i'm good you know every episode is gonna up the brutality i've always liked jigsaw in the comic i think that he's a great anti-hero villain type character the notion also of like the face like mirroring the broken mind it's just great and also it's a kind of horribly dark metaphor now when we live in a time when we bring a lot of soldiers back with broken minds like that you could write a very long and interesting essay about jigsaw as a as a metaphor for what are described in peep show as blair's oil wars and obviously he does become jigsaw in season two which starts quite interestingly because and there are some people who speculate it could be set between infinity war and endgame because it's a noticeably quieter less populous world but it starts off with frank relatively at peace Mm. and kind of having abandoned his punisher pursuit for a while and we see him dating he hangs out at a bar enjoying so that's the brilliant thing about it you know previous adaptations gone down the whole industrial nine inch nails route and so on and then it's, it's all about country and blues and he's really enjoying live music in the yeah. and he gets caught up in a really strange but very timely plot about skillful manipulation to make somebody big in politics yeah. and blackmail associated with it a lot of people seem to not like that as much but I found it actually more intriguing maybe because I'm so used to the storyline that was played out in season one I actually think season two is even better because for me I knew what season one would be and I love origin stories and my step daughter and i are currently like jumping around the marvel movies because she wanted to watch all the avengers films first you know so i had to sort of explain as we went along some elements and now we're back watching iron man and she said to me last night i love origin stories and i sort of do but then because i've read the comics for so long I know Frank. So season one, I looked and I was like, okay, I get this. There was a thing that Sheik used to say when they were making records, which is like, don't bore us, get to the chorus. And for me with Frank, I'm like, right, I want him to do damage. Show me him doing damage. Show me him having to fight his way through things because that's what I, I'm interested in. And what was great about season two is you get this thing of like, I love the thing of like, oh, look, the Punisher might actually be sort of happy for once. And then episode one, bang, this woman that he's just started to like ends up getting shot and suddenly he's got to like kill a bunch of guys in a hospital and that those hospital fights are incredible you just go okay we're back the punisher is back and here's billy 
who is like becoming Jigsaw and it's like, right, boom, we're in. And that first episode, Roadhouse Blues, is like, bam, straight in the face because they like to mess you about. Because in season one, we have this kind of slow burn building into the Punisher being as Punishery as we expect. But for me, season two is like undiluted vodka. You know, it's like drink this, take it feel the burn you know and that's what's really good about it and it's also quite a timely statement on some things that have been happening recently in the world yeah and clearly the writers are doing that and the showrunners are doing that and the problem sometimes with marvel fans and i am one of them is that we like to get spoon-fed what we're used to and to a certain extent that's why like so many easter eggs work the easter egg in endgame where they're implying that the submariner might be around is really cool and it's done in a way where there's if you don't know he exists you've no chance of getting that but you can't make full series that are so obsessed with those things those things have to be glancing and that's why i think season two punish is good because it's giving us the character doing more things and i think that people who weren't as familiar with the punisher probably are more likely to have accepted season two for what it was and unfortunately for the moment that was the last we saw of him because very close to the wire the whole thing changed they brought the tv series onto disney plus and all the netflix shows were cancelled and it wasn't long after season two of the punisher was released but there is talk at the moment speculation that he's going to show up in the moonlight tv series yeah which i'm sure like me you're thinking that would make perfect sense from a comics point of view do you want to see him reappear yeah i do uh, very much so and i think it makes sense i think as well when you've got stuff like she hulk on the slate and of course she hulk is a lawyer i would this is what i would pitch frank castle is on trial and she hulk is his lawyer and then you've got the dynamic between She-Hulk and Frank as, you know, because She-Hulk is about anger, but controlled anger, you know, much more controlled than Professor Hulk is. You know, She-Hulk lives a normal life. She just happens to be a Hulk. I just think having got the Punisher right at last, it would be a shame to discard him so easily because we've not even mentioned the 2004-2008 films, which the first one just went too unpleasant and the second went almost the other way, just went to action. The Punisher seems to be one of the ones that few people have seen. I mean, not as few as Cloak and Dagger, if I'm honest about it. That seems to really be the one that's slipped off people's radar. But like some of the films, it's a shame that people need to see it. They really should watch it. Cloak and Dagger, I really, I enjoyed again. But the thing with Cloak and Dagger is you've got some elements there, which is an issue of, well, look, TV audiences are pretty racist. And that is a mixed race leads show and also teen show. Also put on a weird thing. The other issue is in the UK is a lot of these things are put on that's shunted over on prime video and it wasn't well promoted and then in the us it was on i think something called freeform which again nobody knows what that is but yeah the punisher at the time of recording is still on netflix and maybe on disney plus soon so definitely do watch it so mick there's only one thing left for me to ask and this is the question i've been dreading out of all of these <laughs> if you had really intensive black ops training and ability to stay off the radar what would you use it for well i'm an investigative journalist so i'd use it for that <laughs> you know i would use it for that I wouldn't use it to kill people just because I, I experience guilt, which is not something that Frank Castle does. And, <laughs> and if anything, Frank Castle's superpower is an inability to feel guilt. 
that's his superpower. Like, okay, you could look and say he's got all these combat skills, and he certainly does. But then sometimes I think he's almost the mirror image of, say, Captain America. Captain America obviously has a certain level of super ability beyond what Frank has. But Captain America's fundamental ability is a strategic mind and incredible military prowess. And that's what Frank Castle has. But what Frank has that Captain America doesn't have, Frank just is amoral. Cap usually is hidebound by his morals, even to the point that in Infinity War, the comic book series, you know, Cap is then forced into this, into being like on the lamb because the morality of the state can't be there with his more fundamental real morality. Frank Castle doesn't have that. Frank Castle just kill anyone for any reason at any time. Because in a way, what am I getting from Punisher? I'm getting to live out revenge feelings and vengeance feelings that I, as a moral person in a real society, can't do. But I don't really blame the Punisher for the things he does. Like, obviously, the example you gave from a comic book story where he just shoots a man in the hand because he decides that that man isn't being correct to his wife. It's like, that's insane but also we live in a world where men get away with violence and the punisher in some respects exists to say there is no getting away with it if there is vengeance if you do wrong you will suffer for it and that's all he exists to do and that is appealing and what we're not comfortable saying as comic book fans is why do we like the punisher because he does what sometimes we would want to do which is when people hurt people we love it would be quite glorious in some ways to be able to go there and just cut someone's head off you know but you can't do that because you would have to suffer for it but the punisher doesn't suffer for it the punisher enjoys it and i think that's a <laughs> that's a rather upbeat note to end on. <laughs> Well, Mick, you thank you, and Excelsior. Excelsior. If you've enjoyed this, don't forget you can find more editions of It's Good Except It Sucks and plenty more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me, at timworthington.org.